0: Welcome to Nashville Restaurant Radio, the tastiest hour of talk in Music City. Now here's your host, Brandon Still. Hello, Music City! Welcome to Nashville Restaurant Radio. My name is Brandon Still, and I am your host. Happy New Year! 2021 is here and i am excited like anybody else i feel like great things are on the horizon you know i was watching the titans game this past sunday with my dad and whole game we're doing well at the end of the game i was like got that familiar feeling and i was like no no this isn't happening this isn't happening not to us not in 2021 and i looked at him and i go you know what man 2021 is a new year for nashville and you know what's gonna happen something freaking good we're gonna win this game we're getting the home game we're getting a home game this is gonna happen nashville's turning over a new leaf damn it and the first play 55 yard pass or whatever it was and then we hit the field goal barely uh we can't just do it easily but Nashville got a win. We're going to have a home playoff game this Sunday. Just so excited. So excited. Something positive is happening for our town. Thank goodness. Hopefully that's the first of many, many trends to uh, to happen here. It's been a good start to 2021. Uh, I sat down with Amanda Virgilito. She's the uh, owner of Squeaky Wheel Public relations, and we talked about a lot of stuff. We talked about her life. She's uh, she's an amazing person, and she represents some amazing restaurants, some amazing companies she works with: Christy Cookie Company, uh, Haythorn, uh, ML Rose uh cinema eighth and roast uh honey fire i don't want to forget anybody but she talks about them all this is going to be a two-parter part one is today and i'll put out part two probably tomorrow uh just as a and we really part two is just her really going in depth and talking about all of her clients and it's kind of a fun episode so I hope that you enjoy today's first episode of 2021. I want to start off on a positive note and celebrate somebody who I have a ton of respect for. And I like sharing the behind the scenes kind of people. You know, everybody knows the big chefs out there, but I like finding the people who are behind the scenes just running their asses off, making it happen in the business that you might not know about. And people that I learn about and I got to meet, like Amanda, who... Represent so many restaurants of people who have been on this show and um i just want to kind of share what their stories are because not everybody knows what a pr firm does or how you start a pr firm or any of that stuff so that's what we did today uh this show is going to be brought to you by super source they are your go-to for your dish machines and chemicals it is a brand new year 2021 if you're not out negotiating a new deal for your dish machine and chemicals this is a time to look at it um Look at your contract. Look at your usage. See what you're purchasing right now. Are you paying for too many racks? Are you paying? Are you in a bad contract? Do you need to go renegotiate that contract? Jason Ellis is the guy you need to call. You need to check him out at supersource.com or go to our website, NashvilleRestaurantRadio.com. Click the sponsors tab and go uh, find the supersource website. Get Jason Ellis to come in and do. Just kind of an assessment. Let them look at everything you got. This guy is saving people money right and left. He is going to be uh, I'm telling you, Super Source is that company that is just, I say they're the ne- next what chefs want. Just a company that came out of there, hustled their tail off, and really cared about uh cared about you, cared about doing things differently. Wanted to bring a personal touch to what they're doing. So that's what they're doing over at Super Source. These guys are amazing. I'm couldn't be more honored to partner with a company like them. Uh, we use them uh, in our restaurants that I work with, and um, he's just amazing. So we're excited to have you guys here. Please uh, please go check us out on YouTube. You can watch these videos too. Uh, I will have the full hour and 30-minute video for me and Amanda uh, up here in the next little bit so go watch it go subscribe to it you'll see whenever we get new videos that get put up but in uh and now we're gonna jump right into our show so uh happy new year i hope that this year is amazing for you and we're excited we've got lots of ideas lots of fun stuff coming up in 2021 so here we go so excited today to be talking with amanda virgilito she is the owner of squeaky wheel public relations welcome to the show amanda
1: Thank you. Good morning. Happy to be here. Thank
0: you. I'm so excited uh, because you're one of those people who I've talked to on multiple occasions. We we email mostly, mm-hmm. but you represent uh, a bunch of restaurants, and I've interviewed most of your clients. Right. Um, you're amazing, and you're one of those people who is behind the scenes. You're 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 churning the water. You're doing all of these things. I don't know how many people know you or what you do. And I love talking to people that like make it happen. First off, where does the name Squeaky Wheel come from?
1: Okay, <laughs> um, it, so it's personal, and and that's kind of how it always had to be. I think um, a lot of agencies will will go to naming after you know after themselves, and I considered something kind of cute like AVPR for a minute, but Squeaky Wheel came from kind of two distinct places. One, my favorite music artist of all time is James Taylor. And there's a line in one of his songs about the squeaky wheel always getting the grease. And um, that has always stuck out to me as a positive. I think sometimes squeaky wheel is is viewed as a negative thing, um, like needing attention or what have you. But in the PR world, world especially, Um, you know, I've always kind of lived by if you want it, ask for it. And so that's what I do on behalf of my clients. Um, the other side of that is, is I'm just sort of known in my family and in my world as the person that they go to when somebody needs to speak up. So if there's a customer service issue, if something's not happening, my mom will call and say, I need my squeaky wheel. I'll make the call and I kind of make things happen. Um, I'm not afraid to speak up, I guess when, when things are needed. So it's, it's a dual, Dual purpose. Um, in my former PR life, my nickname, which was "loving," was Demanda, and I. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> it could
1: be taken a lot of ways, obviously, but it, it really was um, kind of a remark on the fact that I just get results. So,
0: well, I will attest to that. I I, <laughs> I will say that you know when I first started this podcast, I was like on Instagram and I would just Instagram message people and I would say, Hey, I have a podcast. Would you like to come on? Or if I had friends in the business, I would just call them. Yeah. And, and then I, I, I contacted Shane Nasby cause I'd known him for a long time. And I said, Hey, love to have you on the show. And he's like, sure, no problem. And then after that episode, you reached out to me and you were like, Hey, um, I do his public relations
1: <laughs> and,
0: um, I would love to, Talk to you about, but it was like this, it was, you were like the first person that I really realized like, Oh, there's a channel here. Like you can go through people to make stuff happen. And I almost felt like I went behind your back to do this completely unknowingly that there was a, Oh, I could just go to their PR firm and they can set everything up. Mm -hmm. Does that happen? A lot like
1: it it does, and I honestly welcome it. When there's a genuine connection between a chef or restaurant and and somebody in the media, um, and they work directly, I welcome that. So you didn't do anything wrong. Um, (laughs) however, the role that I take is to remember all the strategic and timely things that a working chef with lots of wheels spinning, right? Like they're thinking about what food they need to order and if they're payroll is done for the week. And, you know, if um, you know what's going on in the dining room, obviously with the pandemic, there's much more to consider. Um, so why I'm necessary and where I come in in that regard is is not to necessarily be the first point of contact if there's already a natural relationship there, but to help kind of streamline and organize. So the right things are talked about and you make the most of this interview opportunity.
0: that's kind of my whole podcast is I want to avoid the PR. (laughs) I I want to avoid everything you're going to tell them to say. Uh And I want to get the other side of the story, but really though, I mean, they hire you because these are personalities, you know, as much as they're chefs and they have a spirit of service and they take care of people, they create experiences. They're also personalities that walk around restaurants, they shake hands, they have regular people that come in and they have a lot of different relationships. And when, you have that many people with hands out saying, "Hey, I need you to do this. I need you to do this." You got to mm-hmm. streamline that through somebody. And is that really where you? I mean, I, I don't want to encapsulate your business that way. W- let's get into that. What would okay. you say okay. you do? Like, I—that's <laughs> a bad way to put it.
1: No, it's not. People ask me all the time, like,
0: yeah, like let, let's break is, it down. What is? What do uh, you, you know do? what? I'll I'll tell you my impression. You know how they have like those memes. It's like, my mom, what my mom thinks I do, what the public mm-hmm. thinks I do, what I really right, do right. kind of a thing. Right. My, my, what I think you do comes from like entourage. Okay. Right. Have you ever watched the show Entourage?
1: It's been a really long time. Well, she, uh, you know, she has
0: like a, there's like a PR, there's a, there's a PR girl and everything that she does is like, you tell them. And she's just like this animal, but mm-hmm. she's constantly, the people keep screwing up and then she comes in and sure. creates this narrative that makes everything nice and puts it in a nice little package so that the, the optics look really good. The public yeah. relations are nice. So okay. it's kind of my perception that you're in there like hushing yeah. up DUIs and you know, you're,
1: you're <laughs> yeah, just I doing mean- the stuff
0: behind the scenes.
1: I have been fortunate that there have been very few, that's what you would call crisis management scenarios, where um, my job is to pull focus away from something negative or um, maybe do some damage control when something bad happens. Um, That's a definite facet of PR and happens a lot. And I would think um, in other areas, not as much restaurants. And I think part of that is because Nashville in as a whole, our residents love restaurants and want them to succeed. Um, so I would say more um, the the job that I have and the way that I go about working with clients is to take what they're doing best and make sure as many people as possible know about it and also help them look for ways to share that in non-traditional public relations ways which is you know their social media their interactions with their guests directly their um you know when they're out in the community and doing outreach and that sort of thing so it's it's i think pr has changed a lot especially in the past i'd say five to ten years and and that's been the bulk of my restaurant work so i've been like adapting and changing along with it but um I think again, you're not wrong with your entourage kind of thought and in, in PR as a general definition, but as far as what I do, um, that crisis management part is is a very small part of it, thankfully. Um, so, um, as a sole proprietor and kind of one person shop, what's great about what I do is the ability to just meet people where they are. Um, some clients have a very great understanding of media relations; they know and are comfortable in giving interviews. They have really great ideas that they bring to me and say, this is what we're doing and we want you to to put it out there. And then there's some who say, we know we need what you do, but we don't know what we're doing and we need help from the beginning. So it kind of can run the spectrum from media training, um, helping them feel more comfortable and confident in interviews and kind of stay on topic. All the way to um, you know actual earned coverage or earned media, which is essentially media coverage that's not paid for, right? And and I think that's where a lot of people in general who aren't in our world get a little bit confused about PR and marketing and social media and how they're different, and then also how they intersect.
0: Okay, so let's let's break it down. Let's and you okay. work you work primarily with restaurants. I mean, is do, that like your forte?
1: It is. It It was a, a natural progression. It's not the extent of my experience. I actually spent seven years doing um, nonprofit PR work at the Tennessee Performing Arts Center. So I got to work with Broadway shows and concerts and, and it was a really nice. exciting time, not conducive to somebody with small children, um, which is why I kind of made the shift. I've done agency work. So I've worked with a lot of different retail um, you know, luxury brands, that sort of thing. But food has always been my passion. It's the thing that makes my eyes light up. And it was a time obviously in Nashville, um, when when restaurants were just, you know, they were opening every day. So it was a good time to shift my focus.
0: It was the so I have
1: I have worked exclusively, we'll say, with restaurants and food and beverage brands for it'll be seven years next month.
0: So who's your ideal client?
1: My ideal client? You,
0: yeah, let's say you're, okay. I, don't, I don't know if you do targeting or sales or if people just call you and be like, we need help. But like if you were to look for okay. um, a new client, like how how would you start breaking that? How would you start figuring that out?
1: Sure. So I made a commitment to myself um, to, to really try to keep all or most if not all of my clients locally owned and operated and have been really successful with that. I like to connect with the people who are making the decisions and I like to really see these kind of success stories build. I like seeing people who, who dream up a concept who do the work and I like to help them in, in the ways that I'm able. So an ideal client to me would, would be that would be somebody with um, a really focused um, concept that has been doing great work and needs help getting more eyeballs on what they're doing and, and ultimately more more butts and seats right is, is yeah. at the end of the day everybody's goal is, is that you know you we succeed not only with attention and positive, accolades and what have you, but people actually coming in and, and that's where they're choosing to spend their dollars. So when it comes to finding clients, I have been really fortunate that. Pretty much all of them have been word of mouth or, or recommended to me, um, which I oh. never, ever have gotten used to that feeling or take for granted. It's, it's pretty amazing. Um, I kind of started Squiggy Wheel as an accident. I left an agency job to go back into nonprofit work, and I thought it was going to be a dream job. And a couple weeks in, realized that it was a dream job for somebody else. Um, it was just a poor fit. I think I'm good at what I do, and I think they're good at what they do, but it, it just was a poor fit. So eight weeks later, I found myself with one, small freelance client and I need to figure things out. So I just put out a couple of feelers and said, I was going to freelance until I found my next job. And within two months had a full-time workload, which bored me. And so I didn't really go about this the traditional way. I didn't write a business plan. I didn't really intend to start an agency. but found that the flexibility and ability to make my own choices, be my own boss was was very appealing and needed at the time. Uh, my kids were pretty young. Life was pretty up in the air, and uh, it it made sense at the time and I'm still going. So it's not the trajectory that other agencies in town take. And I think that's what makes this work, because, you know there there are quite a few. I would say hospitality focused publicists in this town i think there's a fair number and what i like about it is we all have different strengths and different personalities and skills that we bring to the table and and i kind of liken it to dating right like you you restaurants hire the one that's best fit for them and so i'm not a fit for everybody um i'm very local in my focus some restaurants have a, a need or desire for national um, national press or attention. Sure. There are wonderful people in town who do that beautifully. I have chosen to stay local in my focus, and uh, I think that served me well. And I think there there are quite a few restaurants in this town who that's what they need and that's what they want. So it's the direction that I've chosen to go.
0: Okay, so there's a lot there. Um, I'm trying to. I had to like four different questions. I've like wanted to go through. <laughs> as I'm drinking my coffee, um, learning about what you do. So you started a job. You, and I'm just going to kind of go back into your past. You okay. started this job that you said that was a great company, but you were passionate, just wasn't a good fit. And then you decided to freelance. You had one client. And then within two months you had a full workload. Um, you kind of alluded to the fact, you said everything's up in the air. Like, Life is crazy. When was this? At what so year? Where were we when this was going on?
1: 2014, early 2014.
0: Wow. Okay. So this wasn't like recently. This was this was six years ago you started.
1: Yeah. So Squeaky Wheel will turn seven officially in February. That wow. Was, okay. That was when I took out the business license. You know, just kind of decided, okay, this is what I'm going to do. So, so just about seven years. Um, yeah, life was life was up in the air. I mean, you know, you and I talked about this pre-interview, but but my personal life and my professional life are are not the same, but they certainly do overlap. And I think that's something that, that we all should feel a little more comfortable and less guilty about. And I mean, I'll be, I'll be honest at, at the time that I started the business, it was also the year I was going through a divorce and Hmm. changing homes and adjusting my kids to that new life. And so it was, it was a scary time and it was an exciting time and that flexibility again to, to, have office hours at home and and be there when i needed to be there was was really important so i was fortunate um that it worked out that way at the time i i didn't feel so certain that that this was a great thing but but looking back it was probably a best case scenario for being able to, to be a mom and provide for them
0: wow and that was gosh that was almost seven years ago yeah you we went through A lot. Starting a new business, going through a divorce, getting a new house—like all of these things. What got you through all of that? Like it was just—is anything that any kind of? We all just came through 2020, which it sounds like you were prepared for 2020. But like, any advice? (laughs) Anything like that you were able to do? Wine is the answer, or is it?
1: No, I mean, if we're if we're gonna say a drink is the answer, it's gonna be it's gonna be coffee. Um, it's, it's certainly helps. Amen. um, I think that sometimes in our lives, when we're faced with various hardships that we didn't ask for and that adrenaline kicks in, right? Like if somebody is chasing you and you're not a runner, suddenly you can run because you have to, I think we all have those moments in our lives to varying degrees. And when you have to survive, you just do. And through that, you learn that you can. And I think you also learn some ways to to manage that. I mean, burnout is real. And I think that's something I've had to get really honest with myself about. And, you know, days where I feel less productive or, you know, um i compare my success to the success of others that sort of thing it gets really easy to fall into that but but mostly i think going through like hard years um that's that's the thing i've learned is is you, that adrenaline that kicks in and and that sort of survival mechanism it's not ideal it's not good in the long run for your health but it does show you that you can if you have to um and and really i mean that was a tough year but as you know, we've talked about a little bit, I, I still will maintain that 2019 was, was the worst and hardest year because my daughter got significantly ill. And we spent most of that year in the hospital. And that was really the year that I, I knew what I was made of. Um, because I had to keep every ball in the air and they kept falling. So, it you know I had to make a decision. I could have pretended like everything was fine with my clients and kind of covered it up and kind of made you know I mean they all knew she was sick, but then like everything's fine. I'm good, but I I didn't do that because it's not really how I operate. And so I made the decision to just be completely honest about how much of a struggle things were. And I was really amazed at the support and patience and grace that they gave and i think at the end of the day the work still got done um maybe at odd hours of the night um, or in spurts but when you asked me earlier about the ideal client i guess that's why i like local business owners because they do have their people and they have a lot at stake and they have families and their life and their professional world bleed into each other and they get it, right? It's not a, a figurehead in another state who who hasn't humanized me and I haven't humanized them. And I think that's a really important and integral part of a PR relationship. Um, getting to know the people as much as you're getting to know the restaurant or the food.
0: I wanted to ask you that question. Like, what do you do? Is it prayer? Is it meditation? Is it some like deeper place that you go because I see you, I see you and you're not somebody that I've really seen before because I'm just, I'm in my own little world, but since we spoke that first time and I've interviewed a lot of your clients and I've got to know, I've known a lot of your clients for a long time, but once I really um, got to meet you and, and kind of learn a little bit about you through them and through what you do, you absolutely inspire me. You're one of those people that I see through social media and through what you're doing through other people. And I know some of the trials and tribulations that you've been through and your attitude is there. And you're just, you're just one of those people that like through 2020, like has been one of those people that I haven't got to hang out and all that stuff, but
1: (laughs) right, right.
0: I don't know if people get to tell you that often, like that, I see what you're doing and I have kids. I can't imagine um, just how hard you've the tenacity and the, the how hard you've had to work. And I know that it's a challenge and I'm just, I want you to know that I see you and you inspire me and I think you're amazing.
1: Thank you. I appreciate that. I mean, I don't think I do anything more or less than, than any parent who loves their kids would do. And I think any parent who is faced with um, raising a kid with with a chronic severe illness of any kind, will admittedly say, you know, we do it because we have to. I mean, it's, you know, nobody wants this. Nobody asks for this. Um, I am an oversharer to a fault probably as as far as, like, you know, but I, I think that's needed and I think that's okay to be, um, forthcoming, and you know, with social media especially, I think we all feel a pressure to to look at the the one like you know, gorgeous image of, of a family outing, and 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 share that one where your kids are happy or smiling, and you know yourself that the other two hours there was arguing or (laughs) you know 30 minutes spent in the bathroom line look at the
0: damn camera whatever
1: it is we feel and and those are great too because you need to see your kids in those moments and, and see like how happy and thriving and wonderful they are but at the same time I don't know how to not just be who I am and anybody who knows me for longer than five minutes knows that regardless of what I try to say whatever I'm feeling is right here Like there is no hiding it. If I am pissed, you see it. If I'm happy, you see it. Uh, I cry a lot and I think that's okay too. So I just kind of have to roll with it. And I think I was uniquely prepared for a pandemic year in that way. 2019 was very isolating. Um, My daughter's condition leaves her, I mean, compromised. And so We were already in the mentality of being like diligent about health and hand washing and and not being around sick people. And I mean, that was already a question before coronavirus ever even entered my mind as a thing that existed. I was already asking people that we were planning to see like, are you sick? Has anyone coughed? Like you need to understand that a common cold can set us back, you know, that sort of thing. And we spent a lot of time at home because she was not able to, to function, um, in a lot of settings. So when March came around, I was like, all right, it's business as usual for us. In in a lot of ways that said, I never had any idea what was in store for, um, the country or the world and and how our lives would need to adjust, um, in, in the ways that they do. And, and, you know, especially seeing it affect the restaurants that I work with and, and, how they've had to just think on their feet and change their business models, you know, day after day to, oh to stay at work. Um, so, so it's been interesting. I mean, it, it kind of, if, if I can say this without sounding selfish, everybody being forced to stay home and change kind of their expectations of what a professional working life looks like it put me in a level playing field again because I was holding conference calls from a hospital bedside, right? I was asking people to meet or to talk at odd hours and, and, you know, working around that and, and worried that people wouldn't understand. So now suddenly everybody's having to do that, whether their kids are sick or not, you know, they're still home and they're still making noise and they're still, lots of challenges there so it, it, it almost normalized your life yeah i mean it's i don't wish this i you know i would love no
0: i that. understand it's, it's not like you're saying would, the but. pandemic was a blessing you're but you're saying hey look i was doing this social distancing thing well yeah. before um yeah. it was a mandate and we had a pandemic so i mean it kind of helped you
1: it normalized the life degree. i was already living and wow and that's been helpful in a lot of ways
0: um, so how is your, so if you don't mind and you, you can say, no, I don't want to, but I'd like to bring some sort of awareness to sure. what your daughter, um, has, has gone through or not necessarily what she's gone through, but just about her illness. Is there anything? Cause I know you did a bake sale, um, yeah. a few months ago yeah. where you helped raise money and I think you had an amazing turnout and sold all of everything real fast.
1: I did so fast. Okay. I didn't
0: even get a chance to buy one.
1: I know Uh, I got a few people who were like, is this a Ticketmaster like public on sale? Like what is going on? It it was an amazing response. um, Not only from people who wanted to support the bake sale, but also the restaurants and bakers in town who donated in a year that um, they have already lost so much. And that was the thing that really floored me with, with the bake sale is when I went to everyone what I said was I would like to buy a dessert from you at cost and then sell it for a retail price for for a fundraiser um, if that's needed and not one single person took me up on that every single person donated and I think in again in a year where their livelihoods have been affected so heavily it it really is a testament to Nashville you know I, this is not the only, charitable, this is a tiny one in in the scheme of when you look at fundraisers for charities or, or really just in the way that the restaurant community takes care of each other, whether it's meals for hospitality employees or food drives or you know what have you. Um, some of these people are, are chefs and, and restaurant owners that I've known a very long time. Some were strangers to me. And they all came back with not only yes, but yes, and what else can I do? And I know you wanted to ask about my daughter and, and, and we'll get to that, but I just don't ever want to miss an opportunity to thank publicly these people who, who gave, who didn't have to, and who um, really went above and beyond. And, and not only that, but then when it was time to amplify and spread the word, here I was suddenly not a publicist um, shedding light on something I'm excited about, but asking people to, to share news. Um, about something personal to me. And, and so many people did that, um, to, to great success. I, I was happy to see when I looked at the sales, um, from the bake sale that I know personally in some capacity about half of the people who bought, which I expected. And then the other half were strangers to me. And wow. that was, that was pretty amazing. Um, so. Do you, you want to
0: go through, I was just looking at the list of people that donated,
1: i will there's like
0: 30 people
1: i will inevitably leave someone out if, if uh, I i've got leave. the
0: list i would do it but like yeah i think it would take like and i'll tell you what you had eighth and roast arnold's country kitchen bastion jessica uh Bidor of proper bagel biscuit love katie pies shohan ale and masala house christy cookie city house DeAndrews bakery dessert designs by leland d kate's catering fat belly pretzel goo goo cluster Haythorn, Jasper's Little Gourmand, Loveless Cafe, Manja Nashville, McKay Pub, Mockingbird, Nikki's Coal-fired Pink Door Cookies, Cinema, The Painted Cupcake, Lisa Marie White of Biscuit Love. Wow.
1: Yeah, it it was an all-star list. It it was an amazing spread. Um, you know, I had to call out call a couple. I I went to Caroline at Nikki's um and she came back and I, you know, I asked for a dessert and she said, how about six? You know, it, and I thought at first I thought, am I gonna be able to sell six pies? Well, clearly people love <laughs> and and it and it was an amazing thing. You know, that that was one that, you know, I've known Caroline and Tony a long time and and clearly I don't have to tell you um how much good they're doing for the restaurant community on a daily basis in, in lots of ways. Um, another one that, that I feel just compelled to thank is Matthew at Pink Door Cookies. So his business hadn't opened yet. Officially, he was kind of doing like through Instagram, have never met him before, reached out and not only did he donate, but he said, you know, I've been brainstorming. Here's some other people you should ask. If you want me to ask on your behalf, I'll do it. This is somebody I've never talked to before this kind of cold call request for a donation and, and just went out of his way to you know, help and and be supportive. Um, you know, Lisa from Biscuit Love, um, Biscuit Love gave, but then Lisa was like, I also want to give personally, and I'll bake some things just on my own. So I could go on and on, and that would take up all all of our time. And and you know, I just really, um, this is why I'm in the business I'm in. Um, it is real. It is meaningful. Um, obviously, talking about food that is delicious and, and the amazing things that people are doing with food in Nashville is 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 a dream job. But really, it's the people that keeps me in this business.
0: But that's really the the heart of what our industry does. You know, we talk mm-hmm. about this: eat local and buy local, and vote with your wallet and these restaurants need you right now. Independently owned and operated Mm -hmm. restaurants need you right now. Mm -hmm. You have this bake sale and you reach out to a couple people and the the response is amazing. The way that people love and care for their community within this community to me is unlike any other. And so when you think about like them asking and nobody ever asks for help. Nobody ever says, hey, we need you to come eat here do this like restaurants need you right now this is the time for the general public to really step up and give back and they restaurants Absolutely. just give 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 i love the i don't know if it's a meme but it says you know all those uh gift cards that the restaurants donated to help your swim team or the the restaurants that helped you donate this no. to get this like they need your help now like Thank you. now's the yeah. time to go do it
1: And it's the locals that who give, who, who have less and who give, you know, I have a good friend who's a social worker and she is constantly looking for things to take care of the families that she serves. And a lot of times there's, there's food insecurity in the mix. And so these are, you know, just kind of one-offs, right? Like there's one family who needs Thanksgiving covered, or there's one family who needs groceries this week. And she reaches out to corporations frequently and, and gets no response. And then the locals constantly just step up and give. And I think that that um, kind of says it all, right? I mean, it's, it's so very important. And I think it's easy to be very frustrated and disheartened um, with a lot that's happened this past year, justifiably so. There are a lot of things that um, have really infuriated and saddened me about how humans treat each other this year, Mm -hmm. but then there's good, right? There are people who in their own ways, whether it's just helping one family that isn't seen or isn't talked about, who are reminding me that human kindness exists um, and that we do take care of each other. So I think, um, you know, again, where life and and real life and, and work kind of overlap, that's been the case in, in my, in my world, right? The bottom fell out and people showed up. And what's interesting is, is a lot of people who I now call dear and personal friends I've met through, through work. Um, a couple of my dearest friends in the world were, food bloggers or or media you know interested or food adjacent people that I met on Twitter which is <clears throat> excuse me boring to me that that you know you meet people on social media and then they become real life and and lifetime friends but here we are <laughs> th-
0: that's yeah i mean that's legit i mean people are and not everybody just has these accounts where they're just like trolls. I mean, a lot of people are genuine. I, I love your last post about the bombing on Christmas, so much so that I tailored an intro to a show about it. I don't <laughs> know if you heard that. Um, but, you know, you said just your memories on Second Avenue and what you remember being. I mean, I thought that was such a great take
1: it, on it was. just
0: remembering, you know, the good times.
1: Yeah, I grew up in Clarksville, an hour away. And, you know, we, we, a trip to Nashville was a very big deal. It was usually a celebration, um, usually something we saved up for. And at the time, that was, there were two places we went in Nashville it was downtown to Second Avenue or um, to, um, the like Vandy Centennial Park area and we'd go to uh, Kobe Steakhouse and oh, yeah. walk around Centennial Park. That was also a big deal. But Second Avenue was a thing. You know, my family from New Jersey would visit in the summer and we would, you know, go to the melting pot. And that was such a huge deal for us. Um, prior to that, it was Spaghetti Factory. That was such a huge deal for us, you know, and gosh i i won't aim to have a an insightful take on on what happened down there um it, it's really hard it's hard to to see and the um the the effects of what happened i think are still yet to be known you know cohesively i mean it's it's affecting people in in real intangible and immediate ways with, you know, loss of business, loss of homes, loss of income, that sort of thing. Um, and and then the emotional effect it's having on on our city as a whole is, you know, is beyond comprehension at this point.
0: I think so many people forget that Second Avenue used to be like the Broadway. Like Broadway used to be kind of seedy. Like there wasn't a whole lot of, like all the honky tonks. The only honky tonks that were really there was Legends Corner, Layla's Bluegrass in Robert's Western World, the stage, and then uh Tootsie's and maybe Rippy's, like there wasn't like a lot to do. There was a Planet Hollywood that came in that was where Margaritaville was. And then Second yeah. Avenue was the place. Like Second Avenue was like Graham Central Station. And you know, there was all these yeah. really like Second yeah. Avenue used to be yeah. the place, melting pot. Yes, uh Old Spaghetti Factory. I mean, for years, that was the place you would go.
1: I think there's, there's so many iterate, like, you know, Nashville, downtown Nashville has had so many seasons and, and people have varying memories and, and associations and, you know, and, and they're all matter and they're all, they're all meaningful. And they're all special. And, um, I'll be hopeful that, you know, the rebuilding efforts are, are, um,
0: Uh, there we, uh, all right. So here's here's yeah. what I want to do. I wanna I wanna move to a positive space. Okay. We're gonna retrain our, our, <laughs> our brains for a second.
1: Uh-huh. We're
0: gonna get into public relations.
1: Okay. Okay. We're okay. gonna get into
0: your we your your squeaky wheelhouse.
1: Let me shift my brain. <laughs>
0: okay. We're gonna no more emotions. We're gonna talk business
1: mm-hmm. and
0: um we're gonna help some people. Okay. All right? Right. I'm looking I'm for you for free advice. Okay. Okay. So if I'm a restaurant out there, no matter who I am, because there's, there's a ton of mom and pop restaurants that are trying right. to get by right now that are just, they're just hanging on. And hopefully they listen to this episode and they've got this far in the episode. And now we're going to play. Ask the PR specialist.
1: Oh God. Okay. <laughs>
0: What is the most impactful thing you can – a bit of advice you can give somebody right now? Just at a broad scope. In the PR world, like what is what do people need to be doing today? What can somebody – listen to this right now. They're going to hear what you say. They need to turn the podcast off and go do this thing right now. What is it?
1: Okay. It's a two-part answer if that's okay.
0: Whatever you want.
1: I think one people are so intimately and in, involved and focused on their businesses that they forget how the public viewpoint matters. Um, they they come up with wonderful um, dishes or promotions or events or you know you name it, and then the crossing over the finish line to get that in front of as many eyes as possible and the right eyes is 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 a problem. Is is sort of a, a um difficulty for them to to accomplish and so um i think the thing they need to do if they're not working with a publicist that that's doing this on their behalf is to think about the last time that they read about something that led them to go do that thing right so whether it's a movie they're considering seeing or something they're considering buying right it's like how did you find out about that and what led you to actually take your time and your money to go do it and then think about like the backward steps, right? Of, of 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 how that happened. And then try to do that for themselves. And maybe that I mean I don't know if I answered your question in, in, in the best way. But um, I think just refocusing their their brand from the customer viewpoint is, is step one. Um, I always encourage clients to have a, um, a written sort of media fact sheet that gives everything about it, it's a resume in a sense it's something that that could and should be publicly available but basically everything about their brand that's important in one place in a shareable format that way if they are tasked with with educating people they have something that's already written that they feel good about that they can pull from and then tweak for, for the scenario um, And then just assume that there's never too much communication about what you're doing. Um, You know,
0: never too much communication about what you're doing.
1: (laughs) That is a horribly constructed sentence. When said out loud, you can never tell too many people about what you're doing. Let's say it that way. Um, Okay. So you are,
0: some people are, so you're saying some people are humble and they're like, I posted on Facebook. I don't want to sound like a, a braggart, but we have this really cool new thing that we're doing, but I don't want to just put it out there because it sounds like I'm tooting my own horn. You're saying beep, beep, like toot, toot,
1: go. yeah be the car alarm. That doesn't stop blaring in the middle of the night because people forget that, you know, especially in social media, um, that attention span as we're scrolling is so very short. So if I see, let's say a burger that, you know, a place is doing and I'm scrolling and I'm like, Oh, that looks good. It's gone. Right. It looks good. It's gone from my mind. Then if I see that Brandon ate that burger and posted about it, and I'm like, wow, that burger must be something I need to, to seek out. Right. Then I like pull open the Nashville scene and it's been written about because of X, Y, and Z special reasons. I'm like, all right, I've got to get this burger, right? And you and hear so- Brandon
0: talking about it on Nashville Restaurant Radio. And that's yes.
1: The- I said that second. I said if Brandon <laughs> oh. ate it and posted about it. Oh, there you go. I have to, I, you know, I have I was to just I was just <laughs> kidding. I know, but I did say it. Um, so so those like number of impressions are needed, right? I think there's like some science behind it as far as like how that works and in our attention spans, and there's data if you want to delve into it. Social media is not my area of expertise and and you know, so I won't I won't speak to that officially, but I think all the, the those those parts of the whole are necessary. So um, media coverage in, in our traditional and non-traditional outlets um, definitely matters social media matters and what your brand is putting out consistently as well as what others are saying about you you know update your website i know it's a pain but if you're offering something special it needs to be the first thing i see when when i go to your website i shouldn't have to look for it you know and it's just kind of like all of that collectively needs to happen to to get that message across and i think that's a lot to ask of a small business again because they are not only thinking about their marketable presence, but they are ordering food. They're paying attention to food costs and labor and whether their dining room is set up for whatever the current pandemic parameters are. And, you know, are, you know, all, all of the things that they have to think about as, as business owners. So it's it's a lot to ask. And I understand that the bandwidth is not there. But at the end of the day, um, your customers are what keep you in business. And so just finding as much room as you can to think about them and um, in, in what you're doing is, is critical.
0: Well, I think that what you do is fantastic because you tend to bring, and I, I, I mean myself too, I mean, I have a consulting company, but like what I like to do is I don't bring an emotional take. I don't bring an emotional take to the table. Right. So when I walk into a restaurant and You can, it's so widely apparent. And this is me imploring restaurants to hire somebody like yourself, who's an outside voice because they see things that you don't see when you're inside of a restaurant for 70 hours a week, you become emotionally invested in so many different aspects of the restaurant, whether it's people or a process or a dish or a table, whatever it might be, you kind of it becomes your daily norm and you see it in it. And it's something that you need an outside perspective from somebody you trust who isn't emotionally invested in that business. Uh, yes. S- somebody needs to be able to tell you that's not working and you need to be able to listen to them.
1: Yeah. It's interesting you you bring that up because I think my first role with every client I work with is, is that of a consultant to a point I yeah. come in as a customer and Experience the place and get to know things, and and bring it back to them. Sometimes it's really hard for them to hear what my experience is. Um,
0: it's hard to share it, that with them.
1: I think it's it's absolutely imperative that you know that 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 mindset not not get ignored. Um, and I think you know another thing when when people are are talking about needing help with public relations is this assumption that that's this big huge, like ongoing investment, right. This like super expensive retainer bill that, that, you know, how, how, how am I going to spend this money when, when I have to make money, you know, and I want to definitely cut through that because there are, um, I'm not here to sell myself. There are a lot of us in town who are independently employed and have structured our businesses around meeting clients where they are. Um, so, that's the nice thing about not working for like a large agency is if somebody calls and says, I want one hour of your time, I will give them everything I've got in that one hour, you know, um, yeah. onto all the way to, to to full-time work and everyone's needs are different. And I think that's really important when when people are looking for help in this capacity to find somebody who really sees you where you are and wants to help you, you know, fill those gaps or meet those needs you know, when you're a restaurant who has a pain point, you want somebody who, who can address that pain point. And there, there have been times where I have met with wonderful people who, who I want to succeed, but I know in my heart, I'm not a fit for them. I can't do what it is that they're looking for. And I do my best to help them find the person who can. And I think, you know, we all have um, a responsibility to take care of each other in that way.
0: Absolutely. I think so too. And I, I, I'll enjoy, I've enjoyed learning a little bit more about what you guys do. I mean, this interview, a lot of it was A, because I think you're amazing and I wanted to learn more about you, but because I wanted to share kind of what you do with people and to learn myself exactly what you do. Because when I meet with restaurants, I talk to people and they need this type mm. of, of, when there is this need, I like to know you need to talk to Amanda because she's perfect. And knowing that you like <laughs> locally owned and operated independent restaurants and the people side of it is really big. I think people forget on the restaurant side that they have to be good clients too.
1: Yeah. You absolutely.
0: know, I mean so there, it's a whole thing.
1: So this that's that's an area I come up with a lot with my clients where they'll say, "Hey, we have this really great thing we're doing and it starts Tuesday and here it is and they're giving it to me on Friday, right?" And so the other part of my job that we haven't talked about is the media relations and getting to know and understand and be respectful of the time and the effort that our our journalists put into food coverage, right? So it's not just having this great thing, having somebody professional um, who's, who's skilled in PR to put it out into the world, but that person also needs to understand and respect the media outlets and their timelines and their deadlines and, and what they're interested in. And so that's a huge part of my job is paying attention to what they're writing about or what they're, they're reporting on, what they're interested in, um, you know, all the way to, you know, some like social media, you know, following and like what they personally like to eat and what they do in their spare time. And, you know, et cetera. and And not only that, but bringing them stories that matter. One thing that I really like to do is if I have a client who's got a great story and a great thing, is I'll come up with a handful of sources who are not clients. So when I bring it to that person, I'll say, "Hey, here's this thing that's happening, and here are six people in town who are doing it, And this is why it's a great story. And sometimes it's hard for a client to understand why you know something is not written about just them. But at the end of the day, a good story and a success in my on my part is not, here's this regurgitated version of, of things that I've written about my client that somebody's just copied and pasted and put online. To me, that's not a win. To me, a win is like a, a reinforcement that what they're doing matters. And that often means a multi-source story because it's showing that it's a trend or that something like, you know, bigger than just them. And, and I think, that serves the public in the best way.
0: And I, you know, I like it when you you contact me and you say, Hey, Brandon, I would love, um, you, you said, I think that Q Taylor, who's, it's his birthday today, by <laughs> Happy the way.
1: Birthday.
0: Happy birthday, Q. Happy birthday, Q. You <laughs> say Q Taylor uh, is the owner at Cinema and Eighth and Roast, and they've had to pivot and do so many things throughout the pandemic. I think he's got a fantastic story. I think it would be a great story to tell on your show. And I was like, yes. So I mean, for me, that helps me because I'm constantly trying to identify different opportunities. You listen to the show, you identify mm-hmm. what type of interviews I do. You recognize Q, as be a great interview. You contact me with a narrative. It's like, <laughs> yes, that, that sounds great. And I mean, obviously it was a wonderful interview. And he's been on the show a couple of times now, but like, thank you. I mean, like that doesn't happen without you
1: well I, I think you know again that's it's it's important and it's important to find their strengths you know some clients are not maybe um comfortable on camera or comfortable talking in that capacity and so you know finding the people who are is important and, and you know finding those good fits but but yeah i think if you're going to be successful in pr or if you're a restaurant without pr and you want to be successful and putting your message out there then you think with the mindset of the audience with respect to the journalist. And that gets the best possible story out in the world.
0: Well, th- there it is. That was the, that was, the, <laughs> I'm going to cut that out and that's going to be a special snippet to promote this episode. <laughs> and there we have it. Uh, the end of part one of my interview with Amanda Virgilito. We just kept talking. It was one of those interviews where we just kept talking, kept talking, kept talking. And, they said, look, let's just make this into a two-parter. So we made it into a two-parter, and tomorrow you'll get part two, and it's going to be her talking about all of her clients and finishing this conversation. So hopefully you enjoyed it. Hopefully you have a wonderful day ahead of you. Hopefully your week is going wonderful, sending you positive vibes. I'm here with my five-year-old son. Matthew, tell everybody goodbye. Bye-bye to you, All right.
1: Thanks, guys. Have a great day. I hope you're being safe out there. Love you guys. Bye.
0: Hi, Tata, Tiny Toot. You're Tiny Toot? Uh-huh. Tell me more about that. Tata, Tiny Toot. Can you say, My name's Matthew? My name's Tata. Your name's who? Tata. Uh-huh. You want to say anything to the people out there? Tiny Toot, hi, hi. What does that mean? Tiny Toot, hi, hi. I said, say, Hi, everybody in the world. Hi, everybody in the poop world. In the poop world, <laughs> say, Nashville Restaurant Radio. Nashville Dada Radio. Nashville what? Dada Radio. Nashville Dada Radio? Yeah. Uh, your radio. All right.